Now, last weekend, we uh, kicked off our series, Glow in the Dark. And we, we started by asking a very simple question, where do you find your identity? Because we live in this world that you find your identity, who you are, it's kind of defined a lot of different ways. Uh, people uh, define it by what they have, by our power, by our prestige, sex appeal. That was true in the first century, and it is absolutely true in our culture today. And as we discussed last week, Paul was encouraging all of us to stay rooted and established in, in the love of God. And that we're to spend, as we spend time with God, spend time alone in, in reading our Bible and praying and listening, you find your identity in God. You find your identity in Jesus Christ. And when we grow in God's love, when we grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ, we what? We glow. We glow. As Christians, not only do we find our identity in Jesus Christ, but we're to reflect God's love everywhere we go. And we said, everywhere we go, we what? Glow. So if you weren't here last week, I'd really encourage you go to the website to watch our video cast or go look at our podcast on iTunes and, and listen to the message, get caught up. The first three chapters of the book of Ephesians, and that's what we're looking at in this series, is Paul's kind of full throttle attempt to remind us who we are in Christ and, and who we belong to. And as Christians, your identity is in Christ, but you're also the, the sum total of all your experiences in life, good, bad, and ugly, all the things that you've went through, the, the struggles, the, the pain, all the brokenness, the, the beauty, all of it is part of who you are. You also have abilities and gifts. God's uniquely wired you in such a way. You, you have personalities. Some of you have more personality than others. But you have these personalities and your demeanor, your humor. Uh, some of you are introverts. Some are extroverts. And... All of us have a heart for certain things. There are certain things that fire you up in life, that, that make you come alive. And all of this stuff together in, in your life makes you unique. No one has ever walked this planet with the precise makeup that, that you have. The psalmist says this, I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. You're one of a kind. You're, you're fearfully, wonderfully made. You're made in the image of God. And when we, we get to heaven, God is not going to ask you why you weren't more like Moses or Elijah or why you weren't more like uh, this person or that person. God's going to ask you why you weren't more like you why you weren't more like the person that he created you to be. You know, Paul, he's writing this letter to the church in Ephesus. And I imagine when they received it, and I'm just guessing about this, but I imagine that that week in, in worship, it was read. It was part of their worship. 
Paul's writing this letter to a very young, very vibrant church with a heart for the 250,000 people that lived in the city of Ephesus. Paul wants them to not only understand who they are, but he wants to remind them who they were. You know, he wants to remind them who they were, and he wants to unleash them for kingdom work. Paul, Paul starts the second chapter of this letter, and he's taking them back. He's going to remind them who they used to be. He says this, he says, you, every living, breathing person that was in that worship in, in, in Ephesus, everyone that's in this room, people that will watch online later, later this week, he says, you were dead. In other words, there's no pulse, there, there's no vitality, there's no growth, there's no glow, as we talked about last week. We were dead, that was our spiritual state, that's what we were living in. You know, years ago, I uh, got a call, and uh, I found out that a lady in the church had had a, a severe stroke. And so I found out about it, I went straight up to the hospital, Went, went and I tried to find the family. I was looking in the waiting room, the lunchroom and stuff. Couldn't find anybody. And so I just went on into her room. And she was connected to all these medical devices. And she wasn't responsive. But I, I was holding her hand and I was talking to her. I prayed for her. And a few minutes later I, I walked out and the nurse caught me. She said, I'm sorry, I wasn't listening in, but I couldn't help but hear that you're having this conversation with her. She said, you know she's dead. She said, uh, she's an organ donor. They're keeping her alive so they can transplant the organs. And she, I want you to think about that for a minute. She says, she's dead. That's what Paul is, is saying here. She's dead. You're dead, but you're breathing. See, that's the state in which we find ourselves. You know, the fact is that we, we live in this state. Dead, but breathing. Paul says, you were dead through the trespasses and sins. Every time I see a uh, no trespassing sign, there's something inside me that thinks there's something fun over there. <laughs> Any, anybody with me here? <laughs> when, when I was young, it was like an invitation. There's something on the other side, and I need to go explore. I mean, I, I was a curious one. And the truth is, it kind of takes us back to the Garden of Eden. I mean, just like that, that first man and woman, Adam and Eve, they wondered if God was holding back on them. And friends, when we wonder, we wander. We're not trusting God. And many times we're not obeying God. As a kid living in the Florida Keys, uh, the shrimp docks were right behind the trailer park where I lived. And 
one day a bunch of us boys were, were back at the docks and we're kind of exploring things and checking it out. And we found this hidden trail. It was kind of overgrown with brush. And one of the guys was like, I bet there's good fishing back there. And so we started working our way back on, on this trail. And I mean, it was, it was really just a lot of overgrowth and we're pushing through it. We get to a point on this path and there's a chain link fence. Big sign, no trespassing. Now, we looked at the sign. We looked down that path, looked behind us, and we climbed the fence. And we kind of headed into uncharted territory. We got back there. There's this large dock, and it was old, and it was really run down, and it had a chain across it. Another sign, no trespassing. Now, long and short, we ducked under the chain. We're out at the end of this dock, and there's six or seven of us. And we're checking out the fish, and we're jumping around, and we're acting squirrely. I mean, we were kids. And we start hearing this kind of creaking. The whole end of the dock collapsed. I mean, we went crashing in, into the water. And nobody was seriously hurt, but, I mean, we were scraped up. We had some cuts. We, we were soaked. We were muddy. I lost part of my tackle in the silt. I mean, we were in silt up to our knees. And we smelled like stagnant uh, water. I mean, it was awful. And I think about that. No trespassing. Paul says, you were dead through the sins, through the trespasses. We were dead. We're, we wandered east of Eden. We, we climbed over the chain link fence. We ignored the signs. We've all done it. We proceeded ahead. We went into that forbidden territory in life. And unlike the prodigal son that knew his way back home, unlike a bunch of kids in the Florida Keys that we went home muddy, Paul simply states that we were stuck. We were finished. We were dead, yet breathing. Because of your sins, because of your trespasses in which you once lived. Following the course of this world, following the rulers and the powers of the air, the, the spirit that is now at work among those who, were, who are disobedient. See, Paul wants us to understand, and that's what the first couple chapters, he wants us to understand that was our spiritual journey. In life, this is who we are. We were dead. That's the plight of humanity without God. We're dead, breathing, but dead. And they, I think this is where we get a little squirrely. I mean, our defense mechanisms kick in. Some of you right now, your defense mechanisms kicking in. You're going, well, I'm not that bad. I mean, I. I Go to church. I grew up in church, in fact. I, I'm, I'm good. My neighbor, mm, not so good. My, my coworker, they, that's a whole other thing. They, they have done some trespassing. But, okay, all right, I've done a little. But really, I'm not that bad. I'm good. And Paul says, not so fast. Your trespasses killed you. 
your sins left you dead. Paul wants us to get it. In fact, so much so, he repeats it in a different way. He goes, in in the past, all of us lived like that. Trying to please our sinful selves. We did all the things our bodies and our minds wanted. Like everybody else in the world, we deserve to suffer God's anger just because of the way we were. We lived in sin. We did what we wanted, when we wanted. We didn't blink. We didn't even turn back. We just said, okay, I'm going to do this. And we got further and further and further from God, and we got further and further away from where God intended us to be. And friends, I'll be honest with you, we don't, we don't deserve to be invited back. It's that place where you trespass. It's that place where you climb the fence. You ignored the signs. And in your heart, you knew, you know, eh, this isn't what God wants me to do. And it was taking you away, bit by bit. Farther from who you were created to be, In fact, many of us would say, it's not who we wanted to be. See, dead, yet breathing. Paul says, that's who you were without Jesus Christ. That's who we were. And then Paul kind of flips things around. He wants to show us the privilege of living, living with God and living, living God's way. He says, but God, who in his rich, who is rich in mercy out of the great love with which he loves us, even when we were dead, though our, through our trespasses made us alive together with Christ, by grace you've been saved. First part of, of Ephesians, the first part of chapter 2, it, it's almost like one gigantic uh, run-on sentence. And, and Paul keeps pointing to our new existence in, in Jesus Christ. We were dead, but because of God's love, because of God's mercy, because of Jesus Christ, despite your sins, despite your trespasses, you were made alive, Paul says. Two words Paul's going to underscore. Two words he's going to showcase through this chapter of what's possible. Two words, but God. But God in his rich mercy. But God who had great love for you. You were dead. But God made us alive in Jesus Christ. Most of us struggle. We, part of it, we struggle with the issues of control. Anybody struggle with control? I mean, we like to be in control. And we struggle with selfishness. And we struggle with the hurts in our life and the habits and the hang-ups. And we've all trespassed and we've all sinned and we've all struggled in our lives. But the good news is that everybody, all of us were dead, but God climbed over the fence. And God found us, and he freed us, and he makes us alive in Jesus Christ. We're no longer dead, friends. Isn't that good news? I mean, it's great news. And it's why we glow. Paul says, for by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It's a gift of God. Not the result of works, so that no one may boast. It's a gift. Nobody can earn it. 
No one in this room can boast. You are saved by grace. You're saved by grace through Jesus Christ. Our, our culture, we, we kind of hijack stuff. And in fact, we hijack stuff and we want to make it about us. You know, Paul's day, the, the Greeks and the Romans, they had this really bizarre idea about the gods. They believed that their gods would send these fairies to the, to the world. Think Tinkerbell for a minute, all right? And they would send these fairies, and they would help human beings flourish in their lives. And they, they had a word for it. Eudaimonia was the word. It meant happiness, uh, welfare. And they believed that your eudaimonia, would, would, that you would be taken care of by these spirit guides, by these tinkerbells. And so they believed that every person had a spirit guide in their life, that they had a spirit guide for happiness in their life. They had another spirit guide that would uh, give you creativity. And so they had this term for, for these fairies in their life, and they called it your genius. They were, they were kind of uh, guardians in your life. They were the conduit of inspiration. And so I want you to catch this. So if someone was exceptionally gifted in an area, they didn't believe that that person was a genius. They believed that that exceptionally gifted person had a genius. You follow? So God provides this genius that helps you be creative, helps you be smart, whatever. We just blow that all up in our society. Today, we skip all that. We go, great idea. You're a genius. It's about us. You know, we become the focal point in, in life. And what's interesting, we do the same thing with grace. Paul wants us to understand that we did nothing to earn God's grace. We did nothing except receive that free gift that God offered us. If we could do something to earn it, it wouldn't be a gift, and it wouldn't be grace. And here's the deal. I've met a lot of people through the years that part of their story, their faith story, they came to know Jesus Christ. They, they came to know God. They, they made Jesus Christ their, their Lord and Savior one day. They, they received that, the forgiveness through grace. They sing about grace. They know they're saved. They, they believe they're going to heaven. But that's it. That's where it stops. That's not what Paul's talking about. Paul says you were dead, and God made you alive. God didn't stop there. In fact, God has so much more for you to do. He says, for we are God's, what? Masterpieces. Let's try it again. We're God's what? I mean, think about that for a minute. We're God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do good things he planned for us long ago. 
masterpiece. I mean, in the, the Greek, poimia, it's uh, where we get poetry. We're words strung together to make a great poem or a great story, masterpiece. You know, 2.10, Ephesians 2.10, it's a vision for life, friends. You are a masterpiece. And here's the truth. God saved you. God made you alive. He got all this stuff for you to do. He wired you. He created you in such a way so that you could show the world what he's like. See, it didn't stop at salvation. Everywhere we go, we're called to what? We're called to glow. I mean, Ephesians, everywhere you went in, in, in Ephesus, you got these massive sculptures, these amazing pieces of art. You know, there's statues and paintings everywhere you look. People came from all over to see the, the temple of Artemis. It, it was one of the seven ancient wonders of the world, and people would come to see that stuff. And people are looking at the art and they're looking at these statues and these buildings, and friends, they are captured by it. They're enamored with it. And Paul says, forget that stuff. Forget it. You want to see a masterpiece. You want to see something great. It's you. You know, the art of Ephesus has nothing on you. The Louvre has nothing on you. Your story in Jesus Christ is the masterpiece that's to behold, to be valued, to be seen, to glow. I mean, imagine what would happen if we actually believed at the core of our being that we are wired for a reason, that God has a purpose for our life, that we're God's masterpiece in this world at this time. Everywhere we go, we glow. And friends, if we really bought that and believed that, there wouldn't be a seat in this house. They'd all be filled. We would change the Riverbend area. We could change the world. People of Ephesus, they heard Paul's message, and they're glowing, and they're shining, and they're moving forward, and they're putting their lives on display. They're showing God who they are, and they're showing the world who they are in God. And there's this kind of transition that happens. And friends, I'll tell you, the transition requires trust, and it requires growth in life. It's moving from alive in Jesus Christ and understanding that, that we're saved, and it's transitioning and understanding that we were created for a purpose, created to do so much more, much, much more. Yet many Christians don't believe that. They don't believe that they're masterpieces. They don't trust God enough. And so consequently, we don't glow. And what happens is we return to that dead, yet breathing, but dead kind of life. And we listen to the world and to culture that devalues 
and destroys, and we become controlled by fear. And so we're escaping and running and struggling all the time. And so we don't see ourselves as masterpieces, God's masterpieces. And I know some of you have heard that before, that you're a masterpiece. And you've read the passages that say you're a masterpiece. Some of you have even heard the Holy Spirit whisper that. And you want to believe it. Some of you believe it a little bit. But friends, I want to tell you, if you don't get anything else today, that is absolutely who you are, is a masterpiece in Jesus Christ. You're God's masterpiece. And when you trust God to use you, when you believe that God has wired you in such a way for something more, you begin glowing in your life. You begin shining. You begin pointing people to to God. And friends, God's kingdom wins when you do that. I think sometimes that we just don't know how to make that transition. We don't know how to move from being alive and and saved to being God's masterpiece. So real quick, how do you do do that? Well, well, first of all, do do you know that you have spiritual gifts? Do you know what your spiritual gifts are? For, For years in my Christian life, I struggled. When I got in ministry, I even struggled more. I mean, it it, it was really tough for me because I was trying to do all kinds of stuff that I wasn't gifted at. And then I finally realized that I'm not gifted to do everything. And when I finally understood that, it it really changed things for me. I, I started talking to people and asking them to help me understand where I was gifted. You know, what am I good at? What am I not good at? I started reading about the different spiritual gifts that are out there. And some of the gifts made my heart beat hard. I was like, yeah, I, I, I understand that. And some of them, it was like a disconnect. I'm like, whew, wow, I don't, I don't, I don't even have any of that in me. And when I finally understood that I had the gift of leadership and evangelism and teaching, I started growing in those gifts. It made it easy for me to say yes to certain things and no to other things. It helped me define things. It helped me focus. It helped me uh, improve my effectiveness because I stayed away from the things I wasn't gifted at. And here's a cool thing that that I found out. As you grow in what your strengths are and what God's gifted you with, guess what happens? The glow increases. I'd encourage you, you know, talk to some mature Christians in your life, people that know you, that, that love you, and ask them what they see in you. Ask them what you're good at. Ask them what you're not good at, and let them tell you. Be open to it. I mean, what what, what makes your heart beat fast? Where are you effective? That's always a clue. And friends, God will use those gifts to build the church. 
to change lives, to impact the kingdom of God. Not just alive in God's grace, but you become someone doing good, things that God had planned for you in the beginning. The other thing, you need to be aware of your past. Don't live in your past, but be aware of it. Be aware that that God redeemed you from whatever. He restored you. He delivered you. And God can use that as part of you being a masterpiece to help people that are going through very similar things in their lives. Your past may be a key to a ministry that God wants you to get involved in. Because you have a heart there, right? You have a heart to change things, to fix things, to see a better world, to see better circumstances. I see it all the time. Someone's been through something, you know, pain, abuse, maybe some brokenness in their life. They, they face some difficult challenge, and they come alive. And they use that experience that they had in their past to help someone that's going through a very similar thing. See, it's how God works. In fact, right now, I guarantee you there's some people the Holy Spirit's whispering. You're thinking about something from your past. That might be vision 210 for your life. That may be the masterpiece part that God wants you to put on display so that you can help people. You know, so you can bring good to the world so that you can win for the kingdom of God. It's God's invitation. And my best advice to you Jump in and do it. Glow. You're God's masterpiece. Glow in your life. Know your strengths. Grow in them. I had a mentor uh, early on, and he, he said, you know, there's a difference between a hobby and a calling. And he would give an example, and he always changed it up, but like golf. He'd say, how do you know if it's a calling or a hobby for your life? And he'd say, look at the signs. And it was an acronym here. He'd say, do you have S, success in it? You know, if you are constantly losing at golf, it's a hobby. A lot of you have a hobby, don't you? (laughs) It's not a calling, it's a hobby. But there are things that you do that people around you say, more of that, please, more of that. I mean, maybe you raise a question at work and it changes the whole trajectory of a decision. In fact, so much so your boss says, you know what, you can lead that initiative. And what you find out as you're leading is that people actually get on board and it's kind of amazing and you find success in that. And friends, after that happens several times, you may have found out that one of your gifts is leadership. You know, you start, start leading using that gift to make a difference in, in the world. If you get that initiative and it doesn't go well, you know, it's kind of like a train wreck, might be a sign that that's not your gift. It's okay. You got to figure this stuff out. I, is it intuitive? Something that's part of you that's natural. In other words, it excites you. You, you kind of naturally know what to do when you face certain situations. Some of you are really good with kids. Some of you know how to teach. You, you can just adjust on, on the move. Some of you know how to connect with people. Some of you are good organizers. Some of you are good with your hands. You, you can fix anything. 
Some of you are creative. Some of you are problem solvers. You, you love the challenge of trying to figure out how to fix whatever the situation is. It's that thing that you love doing and you're good at and you're comfortable with. And then I'd challenge you to look and see where you're, gee, growing. Where you're growing. It's that thing that you're not satisfied just doing it, but you want to do it with excellence. And so what, what happens is you can get, lose track of time when you're, when you're doing it. You look forward to engaging in it because why? You love it. You want to learn more, and you, and you get better and better, and you hone your skills. And friends, when you grow in that, your glow increases. And then, and does it meet a need? Does it meet a need? God has a number of places you can use your gifts. It's not just confined to one little space. And so you have to carefully choose. I mean, for me, it's always, where am I going to have the most impact? If i got to choose between A and B, where's the most impact? What's the greatest need? But you use it to make a difference. Christians, you were once dead. But God... But God made you alive in Jesus Christ. But God, in his grace, didn't stop there. He made you to be a masterpiece in this world. God has good things for you to do. You are called by God to not only grow, but to glow in your life. And so I wonder, where, where are you with all this? See, I, I know that some of you may have stumbled in today. Maybe you've been here for a while. And maybe your story right now is, I'm dead. I'm breathing, but I'm dead. And I want to tell you God's pursuing you. And he's climbing the fence, and he wants to rescue you, and he wants to redeem you. In fact, God loves you so much that he sent his son to die on the cross for you. And all all you have to do is just accept that. It's a free gift. You know, say a simple prayer. You know, something like, you know, God, I'm, I'm sorry for my part. You know, forgive me of my sins. I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And then just thank God that you're alive. And here's what will happen. God will forgive you. And God, in his grace and his mercy, will make you alive, and he'll give you a second chance, and you'll start glowing because of that. I imagine some of you, you've been holding on to, to grace, maybe been a Christian a long time, but truth known, that's kind of the end of the story. And, and my prayer for you is that you move past that. And that you begin glowing, that you start using your giftedness, whatever it is. That you look for those signs, you know, maybe you don't know what it is that God wants you to do, but to look for those signs in your life and then trust God enough that, and find that place to use them so that, again, you're glowing in life. You just glow. Because when we grow, we what? And wherever we go, we, let's pray.
Our holy God, God, we praise you. And God, I know there are some here today that um, your spirit's pushing them right now. God, I know they need to just take that step and accept you as their Lord and Savior. God, I pray that um, they just say, I want that, Lord. I want that. That today would be the day. God, I also know there are some here that... um, They took that step of faith a long time ago. That they've really just been kind of sitting, waiting. God, I pray your spirit would just move them, propel them forward to realize they were created for a purpose. They were created to make a difference in this world. God, I pray that we would glow, that we would shine, that we'd be your masterpiece in this world, that people would see you through us. God, help us to glow at our works, at school, in our neighborhoods, and our families. God, I pray that We'd use this one and only life you've given us to make a difference for the kingdom. We give you the glory. We give you the praise. It's in Christ's holy name we pray. God's people said. We're going to close a little bit different um, today. I want to give everyone an opportunity. Um, You can do this. You don't have to. But I want to invite you to come and light a candle. And... You know, maybe when I was praying earlier, you said, you know what, I, I want Christ as my Savior. I want to make him that. Well, then I'd, I'd challenge you to light a candle as a symbol of that decision. That you would realize when you're lighting that, that you were dead, but you're alive now to glow. Maybe, maybe you've already taken that step, and maybe you're ready to grow now in your faith. Let God use you. And so you're not sure, you're not sure how you're gifted or what you're good at. Here's what I would challenge you to do. Maybe light a candle and ask God to give you a sign. You know, say, God, I want to glow, but where? And what, what, what is it that you want me to do? You know, maybe you already know. Maybe you've known for a long time how, how you're gifted and where it is that God's calling you and you've just been kind of push, pushing it to the side. Then light a candle and say, I'm going to pursue this, God. And I want you to increase my glow. You know, maybe you've been pressed in your life about the whole glow thing. And this is where you've got to move from the, I call it the generic, to get very specific. But let that light into the candle be your commitment to say, you know what? I'm going to start glowing at work or I'm going to start glowing at home, or in my neighborhood. You know, maybe, maybe it's even more specific than that. Maybe there's someone that for a long time you've had a heart, that you want to see them come to Christ. Then I would invite you to light a candle and say, God, I'm asking you 
to use me to reach so-and-so. I mean, name them, state them, you know, get very, very specific about it. And here's the deal. You make that commitment. Here's what I know. I absolutely know this. That If you say, God, use me, God will do that. And then you have to just watch for those opportunities to, to love them and listen to them and talk with them. You watch. God will use your glow. He will use it. And so as the band's playing, nobody's going to dismiss you. You can just come up as you want. You can light a candle. Maybe, maybe there's several things. And light a couple candles. You know, maybe there's a couple people that you know God wants you to, to touch their life somehow and to be that light. Light it. If none of that works for you, maybe you go, man, I've got so much junk going on in my life right now. I just need God to... Then make that your, your, your prayer. But to just come up, light whatever you want, go back to your seat, and I'll close us with prayer. Does that make sense? So let's, let's allow God to speak to us right now. <laughs>